This is the Ed Milet Show. Welcome back to Max Out, everybody. I have a really unique woman on today's show. And you guys are going to love this. Most of you know who she is. But uh, hopefully we're going to get some aspects of her life and personality that maybe you're not as familiar with. But she's an author, athlete. She's, got, she's the host of the Gabby Reese Show, which kind of gives you an idea of what her name is. She's a mother. She's a wife. She's an entrepreneur, athlete. First ever, I think, female spokesperson for Nike, I think. That's right. You're going deep now. A whole bunch of other firsts. So, Gabby Reese, thank you for joining us on Max Out today. Thank you for having me. I it's love awesome. the name, Max Out. It is. It's a great name. I actually, I did it because I my son's name is Max. Mm-hmm. And then I wanted to have people on who have like maxed out some area of their life. So, as you know, I've had people from all different walks of life on here. You're unique. And the reasons I think today people are going to be so fascinated is because you've really done that, even though you've got a ton of humility and you're funny and you've got to... I love your kind of dry, self-deprecating sense of humor that everybody tells me about. But you've done that in multiple areas of your life. And so there's got to be some secret to some of your success. So let's talk about it. You ready? I'm ready. You already look reluctant. Like you don't even like confident. No, I, I, I think it makes me reflective, you know, because it's like, you know, when you want to answer questions based on where you are today, not the one that you, you know, you've spewed out a hundred times. Yeah. When I hear that, I'm like, oh, I, want, I wonder what that is, you know? Hmm. So talk about that just really quickly, because I want to spend most of the time in the current you. Okay. But I was reading about how you grew up. It's yeah. not normal, right? I don't know what, you know, like I always say, I always wanted really like, no joke, like leave it to beaver normal, because I, I grew up in sort of a, what would be perceived as not normal now that I've lived enough time, a long enough time, then you go, okay, what is normal? Because <laughs> I, maybe you can relate to this. You know, both my husband and I, I think we both grew up different and very similar. I grew up in the Caribbean mostly, um, not a ton of structure from two to seven. I didn't live with either one of my parents. I lived with neighborhood friends, childhood friends of my mother that were kind enough to take me in. My father died when I was five during that time. And, um, and then you think going like, Oh, I'm going to create normal. Yeah. Right? I'm going to have like a really stable environment. My kids have grown up in the same two houses. Yeah. Like, and then you realize like, then you're, you have all other challenges or other things that you thought, oh, you would avoid by having these other standards. So it's been an interesting um, journey into what, you know, my desire for balance or no- normalcy. Yeah. I wondered that because by the way, Gabby's husband's Laird Hamilton, everybody, if you don't know, uh, probably the greatest big wave surfer of all time. Also an entrepreneur, also a really good looking dude, like scary, good looking couple. When you look at these two, I mean, like, not fair. Like, no, like not, no, just not fair. Like how do you compete with that? Both of you guys, but setting that aside, I was, you brought it up where I wanted to ask you first. Cause when I, I, we have some mutual friends. And so obviously I knew you from your athletic career, your modeling career. I knew, you know, I knew the public you. The thing that surprised me about you, surprised in a pleasant way, was the sense of normalcy that you seem to have in your life and how dedicated, frankly, of a mother you are first and wife, but seems so dedicated in that part of your life. Do you think that's because there was a lack of stability and structure when you were, were, when you were young? Yeah, I think, it's, I, think, I think that's definitely part of it. I think you're overcompensating for my lack of, and I didn't, I really was like, I really don't want to blow it as a mother. 
and there's a lot, there's sort of like a great amount of insecurity around like trying to do it the right way. Because I always say, if you had a mom or, or parents that taught, showed you love and discipline, you would then know that you know how to administer that yeah. comfortably. And I think for me, believe it or not, because in some ways I think I am, uh, I can be kind of a hard ass, but when it comes to my kids, I'm, it, I'm always, you know, hedging like, oh, okay, if I'm too intense or too, if I'm too tough on them, will they not know that I love them? Hmm. Where I, I see people who've had a really beautiful example of those two coming together and they have no problem being like to their kids, like, Hey, suck it. But you know, I love you. Like not, <laughs> you know, they don't put their head on the pillow going like, you know, so I think there was that. And I think quite frankly with Laird, um, I'm certainly dedicated to him and to our family. Yeah. But I'll be honest what's interesting about having a partner like Laird is that's kind of the unspoken rule, if you will. And so there's an interesting thing where people are like, Oh, you're a very dedicated wife. And I, and it's like, Oh yeah, I am. But also I'll be forthcoming and say, I'm have a partner that shows up in a real way. Mm-hmm. And so the silence, um, you know, invitation slash expectation would be in your way, your language, hopefully you're on the same page yeah and yeah. so what that does is you prime that pump right and you're you're constantly flexing like hey I'm, no one no one's telling me anything that wouldn't work but mm-hmm. i'm gonna really show up because i see this person and they're showing up yeah. and and then that just becomes the gear yeah he sets a, he didn't set it but there's a standard that is just sort of set by by his conduct now i'm curious what do you think makes a good mother because i said you're a good mother what do you think makes one? You know, that's like a moving target, that question. I think, here's what I know. I think if you can be here for your children and you can love them, and then what I've had to learn is to listen, uh, really listen, not listen and fix, just genuinely listen to that person. Um, and also, um, like, realize that these people are here on this planet separate from you with their own journey and that might make me wildly uncomfortable as a mother because part of it's like i wouldn't choose that for you whether it's that personality trait that you're either permanently in or temporarily in or that conduct or like the there are certain moves you know we have three daughters one's an adult one is 16 and one's 12 so you know we've had some some opportunities to get into deep parenting um (laughs) And it's, and it's, uh, so I think it's that, um, and beyond that, I think a good parent, a good parent is willing to grow and change. Mm. And I don't know when my kids were little, little, that that was a concept I was familiar with, but then when they became teenagers, it's like you, you're reminded they're here, give you this next opportunity. If you take it as uncomfortable as it is to continue to grow. And I feel like then you can bring that growth into this next part of your life. I totally agree with you. It's funny that you say that. I just made a post about it the other day, just cause I think I said something along the lines, like changing your mind is actually a strength. It's not a weakness. Yeah. And, and changing the way you parent is a strength, not a weakness. And it's funny. I think sometimes people think that it's, you know, somehow the strength, I I'm rigid in what I believe I'm rigid in my expectations. Yeah. I think being a parent is more like an art form than it is necessarily a science, right? It's kind of both. I think being married is too, don't you? 
Yeah. And I think you're pivoting and adapting. And I think it's like, what season is it? What time is it? What's going on in that person's life? What's going on in your life? Um, and I think when we do that rigid setup, because I could have that inclination, you know, I, I use that, that hyper discipline, that hyper grind, you know, thing to like have got, it's gotten me so far. And then you realize, oh, but if I'm really going to be a powerful or have a chance at any glimmer of wisdom, I have to be pliable. I have to be able to take constructive criticism. Um, and I also have to let everybody kind of really be who they are. And, yeah. uh, and that is, that has been very difficult. And then it's all, there's something really liberating because we can't control it anyway. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like once we stop, then somehow there's a freedom yes. in acceptance of like, wow, even this sucks a little, or I'm uncomfortable. Why is she doing that? Mm-hmm. And it's okay. Okay. I got it. I got it. I'm so glad you just said that. Okay. I'm going to tell you something rarely when I'm like researching to do the show. And by the way, I don't, I do all the research myself. I, I, I was researching things about you and things you said, and you know, I, it's public information that you and Laird at one time almost were divorced. Right. And, and I was watching a recent interview with you and you had said to her, uh, it was Danica Patrick. You had said to her, I don't know. I, you said, I, I don't, I think we will, but I don't know if Laird and I will be married in 10 years. And, and let me tell you what was interesting. When I first heard that, I went, oh, wow, that's terrible. And then I'll be honest with you. I thought about it and I thought, what a, what a really insightful thing to say. Because I think when you're, not, when you're looking to keep everything in order the way it's always going to be, to some extent, you lose your presence in the moment. And it gives you much less flexibility in your life to really grow and change yourself. In other words, if you, everything's predictable or the nature of your relationship, the nature of your life, and as humans, we all want to kind of gravitate towards certainty. It's always going to be this way. It's always going to be like that. I know you want to be. I know you probably will be. But I want you to know, it was one of those really rare moments. I thought about it last night. I woke up last night knowing we were going to do this today. And I reflected on it again. And I thought, wow, there's some, I don't know if it's bizarre, some beautiful power in that way of thinking almost. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, I guess for me it was, it allows you to be more present when you're not trying to take control of the future all the time. Does that make sense? Oh, it does. You know, I, again, because of my childhood and I, by my nature, I, I really want to set up rigid. I do. Mm. And what's interesting is I chose a partner who um, is really quite different, like so disciplined, but I'm talking about like, this is a person who follows weather. So they actually want to have the feeling of the flexibility of when, and now we've got apps that tell us weather. So we have senses of things coming a week in advance. But let's say when Laird was younger, it was like, what will the day bring me? Will I be able to adjust and adapt to that so I can maximize that day? Right. And so I've chosen a partner who needs that sense of free feeling of like, I, I am free, even though, listen, I have Laird's schedule. His book is right in front of me. And at times I'm like, tomorrow you have this and that, and, but it's, it's wanting that sense of freedom. And this is what I say about the marriage. I'm going to wake up every day and I will do my best and work for it that day. And beyond that, I can't, I don't know what else to do. You know, it's kind of like I, I have friends who I saw them, maybe the marriages didn't work out. And then it was like the train left the station. And then they're like, wait a second, let's talk about it. And what I do realize is the time to get on the train 
is like when you're in it, you know what? And, and it's the same with training just because I literally trained for 30 years, literally 33 years of my life. I still have to get up tomorrow and try to make better, good nutrition, nutritional choices and train because it, it's sort of an ongoing. I think you're right. I, I think you're hundred percent right. It was one of those statements. Like at first I heard it, I went, yeah, I don't like it. I don't like it. That's a weakness. And then I thought about it. Why is that the one area of everybody's life that they somehow have to predict the entire future for? I kind of think it's beautiful to want to know where it goes, assuming you're going to be together. But it allows you to work on the train when you're there. Like, uh, uh, just so you know, helped me. And I think as we're hearing this, I know right now people driving or watching this, they're debating this in their mind. Is that a healthy thing? Is that not a healthy thing? Which is what I want the show to do, be thought-provoking. So, And it's I, not a lack of dedication. Like, I am focused. But I also, we don't know what life brings us. And, and also, I don't want to have something happen in my life that takes me out, out, because I was so stuck to an idea. Mm. Like, I don't know. No, no, no. I, I, this is going deep. I like it. And I agree with you. So I'm going to talk about you and Laird for a minute. Okay. There's a lot. I want to go to business too, but okay. I watched an interview with him and he kept calling you his girlfriend. Mm. And I love this because I think you should always be courting who you're with. I, I think that's what he meant by part of it. I think there should always be, I have this, I get interviewed a lot. People ask me, you know, what makes a relationship work? I said, well, everyone tells you trust and communication and all that. But if you don't have chemistry, if you don't have something physical as well, that matters, right? Where maybe at some point in a relationship, it's not going to be every day, sex every single day, but it's intimacy, it's touching, it's hugging, it's holding hands, it's something where you treat one another like a boyfriend and girlfriend. And then I watched an interview with you and you almost like made a face if he called you his wife and not his girlfriend. What's that all about? I told Laird a long time ago, I said, listen, I'll do everything a wife. I cook Laird dinner. He likes to be, he likes his, he likes dinner. Like he wants me to cook him dinner. I, I like cooking. It, it's easy. It's his, one of his languages, whatever. Mm. And I'm like, I'll, I'll organize your business life. You know, um, just don't treat me like a wife. And because, you know, when I hear people discuss their partner, like, oh, the ball and chain, or, you know, ask them. It's like, I, I hope I'm never that to anyone. Mm. And um, the other thing I tell men is if they, if they just have a child with their partner, that um, the worst thing you could do in that moment, like let's say you have a new baby and you, the guy walks in and he's like, how's mommy doing? I want to punch you in the face. It's like, <laughs> I, you know, like you're there, you're nursing, your stomach's, you know, soft because you just had a baby and you still are an, indi first of all, an individual person. And then also ultimately I would like so much to be your partner to be someone that you're excited about. Um, it, and like you said, it doesn't mean like sexy time every day. I've been with her tw almost 25 years. It's like, but it's, it's like, you still can see me. Yes. That's, you know. Guys, this is one of the most huge things ever on the show. Here's what happens. We get into these relationships, we're in love. Let's just be honest. The baby arrives and the man starts to, or, and maybe the woman participates in this too, starts to not identify as an individual woman anymore, but as this mommy figure only, and this guy objectifies you that way unintentionally, and over time he falls out of love because it's mommy and not his girlfriend, not this woman he's attracted to that wants to learn more about, that wants to grow. 
that wants to be in an individual relationship with too, right? There's, there's the family relationship and then there's your relationship. Yeah. So. And, and it's also the woman on the woman. The onus is like, Hey, listen, and this is, people don't like to hear this when you're tired and you're busy and no offense to men, but if you're a working female, you are busier than your partner period, because you're worrying about details about your home that your husband doesn't, it doesn't occur to him. He's not doing it on purpose, but that then it's like, Oh, I'm too tired for sex. I don't want sex. You have to figure out a way to have sex. And so that's the only other, you can't expect the guy to be like, Hey baby. And then there's like, it's all that too. So huge. It's not talked about enough. You got to have sex life as a married couple. And it's, 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 it's what starts to happen when it goes the other way. So I'm glad we covered that first. I don't think a lot of people thought I'm going to get Gabby Reese on my show and we're going to go to mom and marriage first but it's the things that i think of now when i think about you first which to me are the most important roles in life yeah. and these other things the fact that you were an amazing athlete all these other things we're going to talk about now a little bit too so one thing you and laird have that is unique is you also kind of work together yeah right and you're an entrepreneur at a really interesting time to be an entrepreneur so in these businesses what role do you play like what are you great at as an entrepreneur what strengths you know, I, what I, what I have done typically is Laird is the creative person. He's the creative motor and he's also the motor that, uh, is always, you know, in different ways working, pulling us along. And I'm, I am a facilitator, uh, of a lot of that creativity into an organized template. Mm. And, um, I think also I have a more of an, I'm more of a communicator. I mean, Laird is a great communicator, mm. but I, I think I have a, I've spent a lot of time interviewing people, writing, doing different types of communication. And also uh, my other job is to kind of connect the dots on the brands, but also make sure that the brands are lined up with like who we really are Yeah. and not let them run astray or sell things or talk about things that aren't, aren't real to who we really are. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm kind of the gatekeeper of that. And I, and I'm the one who, you know, keeps us on, on task. That's your job. So Laird Superfood uh, is a big part of one of your brands, right? Yeah. It's a big one. And then your breathing app, XPT Life, the breathing app has actually sponsored my show before. I use yeah. it. So it seems to be centered around fitness, wellness, because it's such a centerpiece of your life. Yeah. What's, so, what's so important about the superfood element, just for example? What, what, what's in it? Why does that matter? You know, for your entrepreneurs out there, what I want to say that's so important about having a company like this, which was completely by accident, which was the best ones. It was off of a habit that Laird was doing authentically for more than 20 years, looking for performance. And the great thing is, I'll tell you that they, we even have it sort of as part of our policy, but like no product leaves the door without us being clear about what the ingredients are, no artificial flavors. It's actually um, plant-based. Um, and we have our own factory. So we manufacture, we don't co-pack in Oregon. And so for example, during COVID they're up 124% because we don't lose, we don't skip a beat because, um, our CEO is smart and really risk averse. And so, um, the thing that's important about this product, besides that it's from real habits that we do, like we've got activate products with like lemon and ginger and minerals and cayenne pepper. So in the morning, get you going, whatever. We have hydrate products that are freeze dried, things like that based on layered, you know, really wanting to be hydrated with not all the sugar and all the stuff is that um, how do we take something that's real, make it taste good? Because if it tastes like 
asked, you won't do it every day. Um, how does it support you through your day, be it cost, convenience, and uh, ingredients? But the thing that's important that I realized after being in all these other businesses, IP is really important, a product, something that exists that people can hold and touch and use the way they want to use separate from you. Um, you start to realize how important that is. And a reoccurring product, again, we didn't, we couldn't have orchestrated it better, but when you start to realize like you're touching people every morning, every day, that is as far as an entrepreneur um, and going through all the iterations that we've gone through, that's been one of the best learning curves. Huge. The second point, particularly about having a recurring revenue stream from the same client. It's a huge thing. The hardest thing in business is to continue to go get new clients over and over and over again and find the same product to a new person rather than potentially even the same person with a new product if you can also diversify too. So that's a huge point. By the way, little tip guys for me when I'm even, especially in the nutritional space, and I don't mean to knock anybody who doesn't do this, but when I find somebody doesn't co-pack and they've got their own factory where they develop and build, that tells me they're in for the long haul in that business and that potentially they're a little bit more concerned about what actually goes into the product and the way that it's packaged. So both of those are super huge keys. This episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. And you know what? I'm really glad that it is, especially for the guys. You know what? Come to think of it for the ladies as well. Everybody benefits with Blue Chew. So, hey guys, remember the days where you were ready to go on a moment's notice like at any time? And when I say ready to go, if you don't know what I mean, I'm talking about in the bedroom department. And what's cool about Blue Chew is now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence you need in that department anytime you want to. So listen up. BlueChew.com, that's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. And we want to arise. So... If you could benefit from more confidence where it counts, Blue Chew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance. Blue Chew is prescribed online by licensed physicians, so you don't have to go to the doctor's office or wait in line at the pharmacy, and it ships right to your door in a discreet package. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. And again, you don't have that awkwardness you know, of waiting in a line or anything like that, and you don't even have to leave the house, which is cool. So right now, I've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment for free when you use our special promo code MYLET, which is M-Y-L-E-T-T. -T. You just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's BlueChew.com. Use the promo code MYLET to try it for free. And I've always appreciated, guys, how wonderful you all are, all of our sponsors and supporting them. All of them comment on just the incredible support from our audience. And so I appreciate all of you for doing that. Go, go ahead over to bluechew.com, use the promo code MYLET, and give it a try. How do you know, do you think, when to pull the plug on a business? I've never asked that to anybody on the show. I've had to pull plugs on businesses. Um, listen, there's something about having an idea and you think it's good, um, but when every, I find that I know when it's not attracting the right people. Like I'll use Laird Superfood as an example. Every person involved on the executive side that has come over, we got a guy from marketing who came from Condé Nast before the business was rolling. It's like it, it attracted these high quality people. I've had uh, other pro pro projects where after three to five years, it wasn't getting traction, the people involved. And even though you're passionate about it, 
it doesn't mean everyone is passionate about it. And so I also say to entrepreneurs, you have to have that passion because it's hard to get up each day to do it. But you also have to keep a reasonable perspective about nobody cares. I always think like nobody cares. And if you can start with those two kind of polar points of view, um, but I think it's also in your gut. Like you just go, Hey, this isn't, this isn't happening. I just sometimes see people continue to try to shove this idea that was so great to them through the same prism too, without pivoting, without altering the way they market it, they package it. And I just, I, I never asked anybody the whole show, 300 episodes, whatever I've never asked somebody, when do you know to pull the plug? And I know that you have had businesses that you had to pivot out of, and now you kind of found your groove, you know, now I'm, I, there's like all these things that I really want to ask you, but take you and him for a minute. Mm-hmm. I think people sometimes maybe, let's take you since you're here, they fail to realize sort of the schedule of a top performer. So for me, the most important thing I've already told you is it seems as if you're winning in your marriage most of the time, which is, by the way, I'm, you know, if I'm winning most of the time in anything, I'm happy, but you're winning in that really important place and also turn something around that was going the wrong direction too. Then I look at you as a mother. I'm like, it seems like she's winning there. And probably doesn't feel like it every day, but she's kind of winning there. And then there's the fitness side of you, which we'll talk about in a minute, which is critical, both my life and your life. And in most elite performers now, then there's the business part of your life. Then you probably got a social part of your life. So there's all of these moving parts. What does a day look like for you? What's the schedule? Because I think most people might underestimate what it even looks like to be a top performer in multiple areas. What's the schedule look like? Well, Lair gets up first. And, and so then we get up and we actually sit and have a coffee together because it will be the only time in the day that it's just the two of us mm. being and having a nice visit. Then we go off and usually train. I, if I, if, unless I have, like, for example, I have some commitments coming up that will be 6.30 in the morning until six at night. And I know that week is a wash and I've already accepted that, right? But in my day to day, then I go straight to train because, so if it's get a kid off to school and then train, fine. But for me, if three o'clock rolls around and I have not trained, I will not train. And I, I don't even lie to myself anymore because I can't, I don't have the output that I need for my training. I need that early because I don't want to half-ass it and go in there. So I train, get that over with. And then usually it's straight to either meetings or, you know, dealing with, you know, emails. And then maybe we have to shoot something. Um, and we have family dinner as often as we can. Um, and then, la- and the other thing is Laird is like a lunatic about sleep. You know, he's giving everyone dirty looks at like by 8.30. And I'm just like, get a life. But what we do, I will say this, we open our home to people that are friends. So our training, oftentimes our social trip is socialized, is wrapped around our training because it's too hard sometimes to do both. And then occasionally maybe it's go to dinner with a, a, a close friend to really connect. But I have found that over the years, probably 20 years to make part of, that's what's so great about a sauna. You and I could sit in a sauna and have a 10 minute conversation in 200 degrees and get right to it. Yeah. And now we're connected. We've, we've connected and now boom, we're off on our day. Right. How much of it? I'm just curious how much in a month before COVID, how much social do you and he do real life? No, there's a lot of no. Yeah. That's Wait, what I was going to, I was sensing that from you. You can't show up every day for everybody and everything. And then also care for yourself. 
And now granted, there are people who have jobs where they like, okay, Los Angeles, if you talk to any agent or lawyer, they have to go to drinks, it's called, right? I would yeah. like, you know, I was like, who goes to drinks? So if you're in a networking thing, I get it. But if you want to network with us, we'll go to lunch with you. You can come to our house. We'll teach you pool training. You can go to the heat and ice. We'll sit down and have a focus meeting. But um, I think it's about saying, you know, it's not as sexy like yep. you're not gonna see a lot of pictures of Laird and I on like red carpets and looking yes. fabulous. Yep. Um, but that's not what we're selling. And also I think independently we each know, we're really clear about what makes us feel good for real. Yeah. And for us, um, that outside stuff, it's there, it's a lot of work. Um, and it's just not our thing, you know. I love that about you because that's how we are as well. I pass on most of those things. And I just think this is a lesson. I just, it's not ever discussed either. It's like we're covering stuff that's not talked about a lot. I think if you're going to be in a marriage and you want to also have a great family and also some financial success, I always worry when I'm on social media and I see successful entrepreneurs who I know have children. I don't mean any judgment by this because some of it is a necessity. So I'm not being judgy. But when I see them out four or five nights a week over and over and over again, I'm like, someone's suffering over this. And eventually that, you might have that financial success, but you're going to look back those babies are only with you till they're basically 18. You can't get the time back. And it's rare. Let's just be honest, Gabby. It's rare in my world, but particularly in your world, the athlete sort of celeb world to the choice that you have made. And it's something I really admire about you because I don't see a lot of that. I think it's probably one of the reasons why you are winning. I think that's a secret form. It's why I asked you how much you go out. You know what I, what I would say to people is this. And I'm sure you've talked about this a lot. What is success to you? And for some people, it's like, oh, I need more zeros or I need more attention. I only need so many zeros. Uh, you know what I mean? Like I, and it's, I'll share something Laird said to me the other day that I thought was really important is um, I need to be really clear about what's going to make me happy and what my definition of success is, not what the world has been told me. And, and quite frankly, there are days in parenting where I'm like, okay, all my daughters are alive and overall doing pretty good. That's like kind of the best I got today. Like sometimes it feels so crazy that I'm like success today is yeah. they're alive, you know, and no one's killing anybody. Great. Sure. Um, and for me, success is self-care, having time to commit to being, uh, taking care of myself. And I'm willing to work as hard as it takes to create that space to do that. Um, but Laird talked to me about money and he was like, listen, the thing about the thing for him with money is like, let's say Laird superfood right now, let's say it's doing very well. He's like, that's just, um, a target. Like that's not a, oh, it's that money. Because we also know that sometimes too much, I've seen it destroy most people I know. And so how do you reach for the stars? Say, I want to create as much, um, wealth. And what I mean is in the word of wealth, healthiness, relationships, maybe actual wealth, but not actually have it destroy me because most people don't think about it and they don't realize it could destroy their relationship, their health, or if nobody ever tells them no, then they've lost the plot. And so it's like really drilling down on at the end of this, like you said, how am I get, what am I going to think is success and being yeah clear i think the chase of money and i've done it and i've acquired some obviously a little bit and and i think that sometimes what you do i did it for a while 
I think you think I'm just going to keep chasing this and I'll get to a number. Mm. Then I'll, then I'm going to get around to my own wellness, my spirituality, my health, except that number keeps moving. Yeah, and you hang out with those guys. You hang out with the guys who have that number. And then all of a sudden you're around the guys with the bigger number and then they're cutting their boats to get an extra meter or five meters. <laughs> and it's like, yo, yeah, that's exactly you know, and right. You go, you're, these people are loaded. They can't walk up a flight of stairs or they, there's like, is anyone having fun? Yeah. Yeah. You're having right. Fun. Yep. And if you neglect the family front here, and by the way, there's a lot of young people who don't even have children yet, but you know, you and I both have this probably too, but some of my most financially successful friends are some of the most wonderful people during the years when their children were under their roof, maybe things weren't the way if they could go back and do them, they would in terms of just time. And now that they are wealthy and now that their children are grown, the number one negative thing in their life that occupies all of their emotions is the challenges their adult grown children are still working through right now because of the neglect potentially that took place when they are in your house. So you're actually making an investment when you're with your children in your future happiness, yeah. potentially. Don't you think? I mean, you don't think of it that way, but it's true. More than 100%. Because they actually say, right, our happiness is only, you know, how good your your worst kid is doing, right? Like, however that's going. And, and the other thing, people, if you're young and let's say you're even single, even when I was single, I was still very dedicated to my self-care. Because then what happens is you send out a frequency that you attract other people who are doing that. They will help you in your success, whether it's the partner that ends up with you or the people you hang out with. And so it's not about these lessons are learned because, oh, I'm married and have kids. I lived a certain way. I attract a certain partner to, separately and together. Okay. Um, and, good. Good. and you just hope that your kids think some of the stuff you're doing is a good idea and they'll use it later. Yep. And that's the arc. That's the longest return of any story, right? Is the parenthood. So true. And I think most stuff with kids and as an entrepreneur, even the people around you, I think the most important things are caught, not taught. And yep. when you say that about them just catching some of it, that's most of the lessons. There's still things to this day, like uh, even good and bad that I'll behave like my dad. And I'm like, God, he never told me to act like this, but I just, I caught it. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it kind of freaks you out a little bit. Let's talk about your self-care because I, I find like I'm attracted to people who put out that vibrational frequency too, right? Like if I tend to surround myself with people who are concerned about their, they're aware of their life. There's a life awareness. They're living, they're trying to live intentionally, right? They're trying to live on purpose. Go to your fitness for a second. Obviously you're incredibly fit. You, you, you're an athlete. I was going to say we're, but you are. How do you train? What are some of the unique things you do that maybe no one's heard on my show before that you do for your training? You know, we do have a, a pool training that we do underwater, deep water with dumbbells. That's, that's pretty unique. I mean, like if you took Navy SEALs or some other guys, they might have versions and exposures. And actually we have quite a lot of those guys coming here and a lot of professional athletes. So, you know, I'm in an 11, 12 foot pool. I have also shallow water, three water, three foot training where I can be ballistic. I don't have to pound my joints. I can touch the discomfort curtain a lot. Cause I always say what I liked about sports was it felt honest. Like when you go and you put a good three hours in, let's say, and go train or like say volleyball practice, I would come and I would sit in my car and I'd go, okay, no matter what you do for the day, that at least felt honest. Mm -hmm. And so with the pool training, cause what's so amazing is 
all, I believe all training, unless you're doing a really specific sport, should help you function as a higher, uh, just more e efficient, effective, adaptive organism. Mm. So that, that should bleed into all areas. If you're like, not just train like I train, it's like, okay, but how is that developing you? And so the underwater pool training, some of the stuff you can't even get done if you don't relax. So there's a, a thing of, I feel stressed out. I don't have air. If I freak out, I'm definitely not going to make it. But if I relax and get a hold of myself, I can usually finish the task because I'm not going to burn the extra air, right? So there are these environments where I can work really, really hard, not crush my body, make gains, but also meet myself emotionally because I'm dealing with a lack of oxygen. Wow. Can we do that? Can we go there for a minute? So underwater, I was hoping you were to go there because I heard you researched this, but I don't know what it means. Yeah. So underwater weight training. What is that? Walk us through it a little bit. I'll give you an example. So let's say you have one dumbbell and um, we have a drill called the Reese that was created by my 16 year old when she was five. You can take a dumbbell, let's say um, Laird, 45 pound dumbbell, go down to the bottom, you blot all your air, CO2. Why? Because I'm going to get to the bottom, tuck my dumbbell into my stomach because you want to be hydrodynamic, make a huge ballistic jump to the top with your free arm. You're going to rip yourself out. Make sure all your air is out. Why? So when your head pops out, one breath in, back down. So I could say to you, okay, we're going to do a set of 10. Um, now, let's say you're going to add to it. You could do something called the ammo box. Okay. You could swim across your pool right below the surface so you have less drag. And with one arm, you're, you're stroking and you're doing a breaststroke kick. Okay. So efficient. You hold your dumbbell close to your body, right? Let's say you get to the other end of the pool, uh, side to side. So 40 feet. You can get there before you touch, maybe drop down and do 10 jumps, mm. right? So now you're dealing with levels of um, hypoxic training. So you're dealing with a deficiency of air. So your cardio, yeah. again, you're not hammering joints. Um, you can create circuits in the pool where I can sit, I can put you on a line and make you swim with an elastic. Then I can put you on an incline. I have an incline and give you I could give you two 50 pound dumbbells and say to you, okay, you're going to walk to the waters just above your head. Now, as hard as you can, you're going to do ballistic squat jumps and you come out quick. It isn't like the deep water one. Yeah. So if I'm an athlete or an aging athlete and somebody who wants to continue to improve and perform, how do I do ballistic training or yeah. mental training? And the water is neutral. She's got nothing against you. So it's a neutral feedback. Yeah. Hey, you're, you're ramped out today. You're stressing out. That's why you can't get there and back without a breath. Wow. So it's this really cool environment. And you do, we have underwater speakers. Um, we have all these athletes there doing all these different things. And it's hard, but it's just, you can work so hard there and not feel beat up. Gosh. So is this anywhere else? Like, can they go find info about this? Are you going to create a program on this? Well, it is part of XPT. It's just because it's reading so, piece, right? Yeah. Right. And it's so, and the heat and the ice, but it's so particular that we're very protective to make sure whoever would administer the training yeah. is because the thing is I have guys who come here, they can't swim. We can get them through it. I have people here where you have to say, I'm here to push you, but first and foremost, I'm your ally and I'm only going to make this a positive experience and every person who does it. So we've had people come to our house to do it. When people come and do XPT experiences, we do show, we do two days of it. Okay. Um, and slowly I would like to, to get, we just have to do it the right way. 
I love this. This is a huge business idea. I, I'm telling you, like, I'll do it. With, I'll fund it with you. So everybody, one thing you should, the, the main business I wanted to have them talk about today was Laird Superfood, but you guys know XBT sponsored my show before. If you're interested in what she should just said, at least go get that app, go do that. And I think all of you like myself, and I'm going to share something in a minute. I think any type of resistance training you can start to do in water, you should be considering doing at least as a general recommendation I'm going to make to everybody here. When I first met Stallone many years ago, we were training together. I said, what are, and I'm beat up now. I've been lifting weights now for 30 years. I just came back after COVID immediately. I've heard a tendon in my wrist. It's just, it's just a lot of people say, well, then you're not training correctly. Baloney. I've been lifting correctly for 30 years. It's just stress on my joints. I'm naturally not a very big man. I've got, you know, smaller wrists and joints and I've gotten pretty big. I love the idea of starting to train in a pool and doing more of that sort of uh, less, less strenuous stuff on joints. So please everybody get that app. And also this had nothing to do with selling the app. I didn't even know where oh, to go I, there. I, and, 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 and train more in water. Go ahead. And I can, when you, if you, when you come back, I'll, I can run you through it because there's also quite a lot you can get done in three feet of water. Sure. Um, that's really important. And, and also, especially for the male population, you don't actually have to sacrifice losing size or not strength. Um, it's just a different way to train. And sometimes if we can rewire our thinking of like, oh, well, I, I feel just completely smashed. Perfect. It's like, oh, we can smash you, but you don't have to feel smashed. I love it. And the other thing where I was going to was slide. I said, I asked him because he's obviously 20, almost 30 years older than me, 25 years older than me. I said, what is something you regret that you didn't do in your training? And like almost everybody I know who's been fit for a long time, he said, I should have stretched more. Stretched. stretched. And here I am now, I'm 49. And I heard him yet. I've got 97% of the time I've gone to the gym to train. Yeah. I've never stretched before and I don't stretch after. And I feel like at this point in my life, I'm paying the price. So if you're younger, wouldn't you recommend people stretch more? And yeah. if you're nearer to my age or, you know, thirties or forties, begin to have a stretching program. True. I think so. And I think um, actually it'd be best to do it at the end of the day. I think it's like an animal, like you don't really want to maybe stretch before you train or play. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I think the idea of actually breathing quite a bit and opening up your ribs and giving room for your lungs for an athlete or like a runner perfect but stretch at the end more and, and more that's the case isn't it they're talking about your body being warm uh when you begin to stretch so i, I just yeah. want to make sure that I've, I've said that to everybody okay gosh we're going all over the place i love this i knew we would cover all these different topics so i want to talk a little bit about other things you do for your wellness mm -hmm. so there's the fitness piece obviously that's a centerpiece of your life are there other things you do for your self-care that people should know about that maybe they don't right now? Is there a gratitude exercise? Do you meditate? Is there anything like that that you do? I, um, again, because like a lot of people, I'm busy and I, I'm not by nature like a let it go kind of person, right? Like I have friends that just can't wait to let it go. I'm the one at yoga at the end, you know, when they're laying there, I'm like, okay, let's wrap it up, you know? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I will say this, homeostasis, finding the middle. I am very sensitive to when I'm getting off. So what I do that helps me and also lets my stress impact me less is, I'll give you an example. If I really am reacting strongly to something, like an overreaction, let's say, I'm like, oh, you're out of whack. Like you're off your homeostasis, right? So if I could just encourage people, really just self-awareness, like why are you flipping out? 
does that really, so it means something's off was, am I tired? Um, am I, if, do I have some unfinished business personally? Am I, am I scared about something that I'm not dealing with? Right. Cause that usually is how I respond. I respond with teeth. You know, I get like super aggressive and like raw when I'm have something in my life that's making me scared or unsettled. Right. Cause they, you know, you attack. So I, I say that I have a good sense of that balance. And even in your, if you're driving in your vehicle, one thing I do is I find the way to make that a time that I go back down to the baseline. Mm. And because sometimes who, people don't have time to meditate. And I'm very good about my breathing. If people could nose breathe, unless you're doing sprints, if you're sitting at your desk and you're on your computer, be mindful of nose breathing only. Try to deep, I always say to people, try to breathe deep into your belly. Because if we're only breathing into our chest, which most of us are, we're ramping up, we're in our, we're in our sympathetic, we're in our fight or flight. We're even just through the day, you breathe into your belly. And obviously I'm, I'm pretty mindful, but not psycho about my food. Um, I, I never really drank as an adult. Um, I just, cause I grew up around people who were so loosey goosey in the Caribbean that I was like, Whoa. Mm. Um, so alcohol wasn't, was never really my jam, but, um, so I think that helps. Mm. I mean, getting to bed early is the stuff we talked What's about early for you. Me. I prefer nine 30, you know, if Flair could go to bed at eight 30, he, he, you know, yay. So what are we like three, but you know, <laughs> Jesus. But you know, that's the other thing is like, <laughs> at some point, I, I feel this way too. When I pull train, sometimes I'm like, I'm a 15 year old boy, you know, like at some point, sometimes you can't just always be like, yes, dear. You know, it's like, sometimes it's like, you have to be a little belligerent to get through it and have some fun and just like get it done. But mm -hmm. so I think what I try to say to people is the reason I exercise and eat well is so I have half a shot at being like a somewhat sane human being yeah. about like what my butt looks like. I'm happy that things are still, you know, staying together, you know, and I, I, my moods are better. My energy's better because I eat better. But at the end, end of the day, I'm actually just trying to figure out all the tools available to me to help me just be a more productive, better, kinder, better responding human being. And um, I think it's interesting. You forget. I mean, obviously you don't forget because you're looking at you, but you just, you, you have a tendency to forget, you know, that you're, you're listening to, if you're listening right now, one of the most beautiful women in the world, one of the most successful athletes and, and um, you know, such a high profile person to have such a degree of humility that you have. I just think it makes makes me want to even root for you even more. But I'm it isn't humility. Listen, what is, it? what is it? I think when you grow up the way I grew up, you're just aware that you would like things to be nice. And when they get nice, which means like, hey, I went to college on a scholarship to play volleyball, right? All of a sudden, when these things started showing up in my life, and still to this day, and it, this is very true, I am so clear that there are opportunities. And I am so clear, like when people talk about grace and all of that. So what happens is it isn't humility. It's that you're, you're kind of clear enough. You haven't gone, lost your mind just because you've lived in certain worlds that you're not clear that it's a door that's showing up for you and you're fortunate, go through it, bust your ass, take care of it. Um, but it's not like, oh, it's humility. It's like, and also listen, I don't have the balls. Like, I don't have the balls to go against the universe. Wow. 
you know what I mean? Like the universe is going to be like, oh, idiot, you need to learn that lesson. It's like, that for sure. Like, yeah. come on. So half of it is like, I'm just trying to, you know. Yeah, the universe has slapped me back many times when Mr. Ego started to take over, for sure. But but I think that's also, a, there's these little secrets that we have about ourselves that we don't know. And I think one of them is this about you. Let me say why. I think that some people have success in little windows in their life, and then they don't exemplify what you just described. That ego takes over and they begin to think it is them. Maybe they don't grind as hard. Maybe they don't get after it as much. Maybe they're not as good a listener. They start to lose some of the things that got them where they were. I think that's how. That's one of the little secret things of how you've been able to go from athlete to you know model to mother to wife to entrepreneur is that that piece about you. You you you. But you think it is not humility. What about this? I'm going to ask you. I just talked to Blake Mykoski. Told me to tell you hello. By the oh way. yeah. And he said something that I relate to. And I wonder if you've ever had this because of that thing you just described. When good things have come your way, I think this is a secret that sabotages some people in their life if they get it gets the better of them. Yeah. And it's why maybe they don't continue to progress. I struggled with a little bit when I wasn't as happy as I could be and I was successful, almost with like a shame of some of the good things that happened for me. Absolutely. Absolutely for you too. And Blake had said that he did as well. And I think. That's a secret thing that happens for people. They almost begin to feel shame by it. And if you're not careful, it gets the better of you. You'll go out of your way to remove the goodness in your life so you don't feel the shame. Yeah. And you almost begin to sabotage the success you've had. Do you relate to that at all? That is really important, what you're saying. Because, and, and that's why you have to be a good soldier. You have to keep your head down and say thank you. And if someone asks you for help and you can, you should. And, you know, I watch even Laird, literally like Laird, you know, I, he used alcohol to medicate definitely for the first 10 years of our marriage because he felt so shameful that he got to do what he really loved at, to make a living mm. that when we, you know, we lived in Hawaii part-time and it's a hard place to live and he's very sensitive. And I, I've had the same thing where you go, well, why do I get to, why do I have the freedom, any form of abundance? Um, and then that's, the way I have had the relationship with it is that is when you talk about grace and that is when um, you understand you don't really deserve anything. So you take that off and it's not you. Oh, you're so smart. Okay, great. Um, no, you are smart enough to see opportunity, work hard, be a good steward of the opportunity. And like I said, and if you have an opportunity to help your tribe or community um, in the way that is real to you, Whatever your skill set is, do it. So good. God, I'm enjoying this so much. I like the ones that I do where like they help me. And that's <laughs> what today is. It, it, I mean that. So thank you. I want to talk to you last thing. I want to talk to you about social media, which it seems like we're going to an all other road. But you just made the face. So what's that face mean, number one? I just think it's kicking our world's ass. And I know it's kicking my ass as a parent and my kid's ass for sure. How so? Well, the world, you know, we used to have our own experiences of like the radius of our world, our block, if we travel, what have you. Now we're getting this kind of snippet of everything all at one time, some of it accurate, some of it inaccurate. And then now we've got our children who are getting hardwired according to this. And, and also, you know, you were only supposed to get input from so many people and it was like 150 people max, right? And if you, 
if you decided to take a public job, then you, you were going to get it from the newspaper, maybe occasionally. Now every single individual um, can have input from people they don't know who don't care about them. And then they're hardwired for the dopamine. So they're into the, you know, the slot machine part of it. And then as a parent, um, trying to navigate because you can't just put, say, well, don't do this. We have to figure out how to teach them how to use it so it doesn't hurt them. And so it, it's really a lot, I think. How do you use it? I use it as a tool for my business. And I try to, if I could be honest, I, I try to make it as, as close to who we are. Like, so we're not depicting something so off. Um, without being gratuitous, because I think that, you know, you're always walking the line between saying, hey, I'm going to open up and I'm going to be really forthcoming and um, and even be gratuitous. Like my kids, they're bigger now. Some things, it's actually not my story to tell. It's theirs. Right. Yeah. So it's like trying to just be mindful of that. But um, I use it. I use it as a work tool. I, I'm curious how much of it. By the way, I, I couldn't agree with you more on all of that. And it's the reason I asked it because obviously I have a pretty significant social media presence. It's, it's, part, it's well, I, it's part, but I use it for business maybe. But it's, it's part of, um, I, I initially thought it was a way that I could serve more people and help more people. And it has done that. It's also begun to dominate even my life. As a grown man, I still find myself, I'm being vulnerable with, with my own audience here, but I still find myself, even now, I'm 49 years old and, you know, at pretty good life overall, I still find myself attaching some of my worth yeah. to how a post does. I mean, I, 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 I went through a phase where that didn't matter, but now I find myself on there maybe more than I should be caring a little bit too much about what's happening on there. And it is, it has started to creep up even with me on an addiction of yeah. some sort of just checking it is yeah. what I, I think I mean. Are you pretty cognizant of that? Are you on there much? Are you on there too much? Do you think even for you? Yeah, I am. And I, I do better certain days than others. Um, uh, but certainly because I'm the one, like Laird doesn't go on social media. So I do his social media, mine. He's way smarter, you know, like he's like, yeah, okay, idiots. Like he's down the road. However, it is a tool. And the other thing you said is important. There are things about it that could be used so positively and powerfully the problem is, is most of us aren't using it that way. And it could be a resource, but not really. Now it's become something else. So I'm conflicted a lot and it's something I'm always checking. So I, I appreciate what you're saying because I think most people are contending exactly with that. It became a part of my life, Gabby, where in the beginning it was really, and by the way, still is. I think overall, probably still, it's a net benefit to the world compared to a negative. Yeah, it's getting really close, and it's funny. There was a couple days last year where Instagram didn't work. They were they were two of the richest days I had had in years, and I I sometimes have these fantasies that it's just going to become irrelevant and all go away, and I kind of root for it because I think once you're in it and of it, you want to you want to be relevant, and you want to help people still. But it's something that I've not asked anybody on the show, but I had also read somewhere where you said, I kind of play it down the middle there a little bit. I, I you're do. not taking huge risks there, are you? Is that still the case? Yeah, no, because unless you want to have a nuanced conversation with me and really talk about some stuff, like real, uh, I'm not going to do that on social media because 
there's so many intricacies and subtleties about relationships and aging and business and entrepreneurship that I'm not going to, um, that's not where I'm going to play a lot of that out. You do it, which leads right to where I wanted to plug something. You do do that on your show though, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you go a little deeper there. Talk about your show just for a second. Why do you do it? Well, you know, it's funny. I started um, interviewing people in 92 or 1993 for MTV Sports. And what I really liked is like I got to meet all these really kind of high performance people. And I don't mean like famous or I just mean like people like doing something. And to your point, I was like, oh, I'm learning. And that's why I joke about Joe Rogan. It's like, oh, okay, let me sit in my studio and have the smartest people in the world come to me or the funniest. And Joe's just getting smarter and smarter and smarter and and getting inspired by these people and having real conversations and putting stuff out there that's pretty cool. And so for me, this is why I do the show. I've always interviewed people my my whole career. Usually it was television, short form. Now the idea of talking to people who are good at what they do But here's what I know. Part of that, you can kind of phone in. Like there's things I could do. Let's say I'm having a bad day. I could still go to a shoot or go to work and show up and no one would really know. Now what I want to do is talk to people who are really good at what they do and ask them how they're managing their life. Because if I feel like if we could have more of that balance and, and share those exchanges. It's like being a parent. I've had people tell me things as a parent that helped me so much that I, if I hadn't been open about where I was at, I couldn't have gotten that help. And so it's just trying to keep that dialogue open, saying like, hey, there's so much greatness in life and we can be great and we're human and it's messy and sometimes we don't know and that's okay too. And just having those conversations. I listen to very few shows. And I listened to a few of yours in preparation for this. And you don't need me to tell you this, but I'll tell my audience this. She's incredible at this. And it's one of those shows where I can tell you, if listen to mine first, but then go listen to, go listen to Gabby because it's, um, she does something I like to do. She asks great questions, but it's more of a dialogue like what we're doing right now on her show. And it's wonderful and it'll help you and, and you're making a difference with it. And so I just wanted to, I wanted to make sure that we covered that in the show. I feel like we're doing that with this interview today too, but I got one more question because this flew by. Um, thank you in advance, by the way, and everybody go follow Gabby's show. It's a Gabby Reese show. Go make sure that you uh, follow her on Instagram. Take a look at uh, Laird Superfood if it's right for you guys. XPT has been a part of our show already. So you guys know about that. So Thank you, number one, before I ask you this last question. This has been awesome. She's smiling, everybody that's on audio. I, so. I thank you. I think it's it's very sweet. And, you know, they're just communicating. I really appreciate it. Thank yeah. you. She's so, she's not, it's not humility, evidently. Okay. So, I get to run into you at a Starbucks. And I'm somebody listening to this show. And you know what? I'm not as happy as I would like to be. And I get five minutes with you or 30 minutes with you. This is a really difficult question. I usually serve up a easy fat pitch to hit out of the park on the last one. But with you, I feel like there's so much in there that I want to make sure that we've got as much out as we can. And someone just said, look, you know, I'd like to, I'd like the next many years of my life to be happier. You know, I arrived listening to this today. I'm driving in my car and I've enjoyed this conversation. I've learned some neat tactics and strategies and enjoyed the conversation but I don't find myself as happy as I'd like to be. And I want to be happier. What would you say to that person? What advice would you give them? What message would you give them? 
You know, it, it's a really interesting question. I think one thing I have learned also, except like the basics about certain pillars of scientific, you know, information about self-care is I don't give advice. What I do, I would say to the person is this, first of all, maybe happiness shouldn't be the goal. I think a sense of peace or a sense of purpose and fulfillment, that might be not only easier, but also maybe more realistic. I think happiness kind of rolls in and out. One, two, I think it would be asking this person, is your exterior life a reflection of who you feel that you are inside? Are you getting to express this person inside into your outside life, whether it's the relationships you have, the work that you're doing, um, just the ways that you get to express yourself. And if, and people have the answer inside. And, and then the other thing would be something that my coach in college taught me, which is always about personal accountability. We can always blame everybody for everything. Believe me, our parents suck and we didn't grow up and you wanted to be three inches taller. I wanted to be three inches shorter, whatever. Like, what, you know, I always say play the aces. So like, look at your deck, what high cards do you have? Yeah. And also what ways could you sort of do it better? And if you've got habits that are not serving you in this peace or happiness, why are they there? What's, why are we, why do we have them? And how can we slowly start to get them out? And, and just kind of provide that real conversation with people um, and, and remind people too, that sometimes it's okay to go talk to someone, to, to go outside of ourselves, to get that help. Cause it's hard to do, but that if we don't have people in our life that can support us, um, in our own quest, it's going to be really hard to do. I don't care if it's Ed himself, who is a powerhouse. Part of his success has to do with that. He has had the right kinds of people around him saying, you can do it. Yes, you can. Good idea. Bad idea. And um, we just can't do it alone, even though it's sort of our path to walk. I want to do this again. I, I want this was this flew by so much. I would I, would you come back and do this again? Can we have you back? Are you kidding? I love talking to you. And I and I love talking about this stuff because for, I'm muddling through it. Like, yeah, let's not kid ourselves. Like I'm muddling. OK, yeah, I'm muddling, too. And I feel like uh, that Joe Rogan that you described earlier, that same version. But today really blessed me. And I, I kind of knew it was. I said a sense, but I, I'd like to do this again. And I know my audience is going, yes, please have her back. So we're going to have Gabby back. We're going to wait a little while. We're going to okay. give her some breathing room, but we're going to have you back, okay? And if we want to just talk about crushing it and stuff like that next time, we can. We don't have to be, you know, so lifey if you don't want to. I kind of like where we were, but we can talk a little crushing it. We, <laughs> you're definitely capable of that too. Gabby, thank you. It was awesome. Thank so you. So awesome. Hey, everybody, make sure every day you follow me on Instagram, running the two-minute drill, max out two-minute drill, so I can engage and collaborate with you. That means follow me there. When I make a post, it's every day, five days a week, 7.30 Pacific, 10.30 Eastern. Make a comment in the first two minutes, and you're registered to win. If you miss the first two minutes, make a comment on other people's comments. If you miss that, comment on every post I make every day. We pick winners that get coached by me, my guests. Fly on the plane with me once in a while. Get tickets to see me speak. Get my book, gear, all kinds of cool stuff just so I'm connecting with you. So go ahead over there and do that and share the show with as many people as you can. God bless you. Max out. This is The Ed Milet Show.